When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Jump, they did at Ellerslie uh, only a couple of days ago. And fly along, they did as well. You listen to SCNZ, we are four minutes past one o'clock. Uh, loveracing.nz is your home for thoroughbred racing. What you can do is you can go to loveracing.nz, you can go to the calendar, you can click on Ellerslie from a couple of days ago and you can watch all of the races there. Uh, they have the times, um, the sectionals, all of that good stuff to find out exactly how quickly they did go. Um, and to talk about it a little bit more in depth now, we've got Stephen Hunt, our friend from the TAB. He sets these markets at this, in this part of the world, well, there at Ellerslie anyway, and would have been really interested to see how the track played, being a, a racing enthusiast himself. Afternoon, Hunty. How did you soak it all in on Sunday? Morning, Louis. Or oh, afternoon, should I say. Yeah, it's uh, flying through the day. But, uh, look, I, I thought it played very well, the track. Um, look, there was a bit of trepidation heading into it. Uh, but I thought overall the track played well. Yeah, it played a touch bias, but you've got to remember the rail was out significantly, I think seven or eight metres from memory. Um, and, uh, and and tempo related a lot of those earlier races, in particular the Salva, uh, was very much a crawl and sprint home. So, yeah, those two factors into play, I thought the track played extremely well. And uh, let's bring on a fortnight's time for the grand final. Yeah, I think it, 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 it we cannot be confused about the track being a little bit on pace and try and say that that's got anything to do with it. the sample size of the one Strathair we had, one Strathair meet we've had in New Zealand. We know what happens when the rail goes out seven, eight metres at any venue. Um, mm, it, it's hard It's hard to make up ground. And, and then you saw a good horse, and I actually thought, and cre- credit to our friend Michael Guerin here, because I don't know if you've read it, but he wrote a story for the Herald, and he absolutely nailed it, I thought. He said, what we know from one race meet at Ellerslie, it will be a good horse's track because Legato uh, it was a good ride by Ryan Elliott and when he presented her, her turn of foot took her away from the other horses because the faster you can run on a very fair, perfect surface, the more races you will win. And I think it will quickly become a very good horse track, which is great for the industry to have a track like that there to be used for the smart trainers and the best jockeys, Steve. 100%. I think that's the key going forward, um, that, you know, you can look and in, invest into these markets, Ellerslie, when there's a meeting ahead and punt with a little bit of confidence, knowing that the track's not te- not going to deteriorate uh, regardless of the rainfall that may happen leading into a meeting, and that can only be a bonus for turnover uh, for form analysts uh, two or three days out. And that was a, that was shown on the weekend on Sunday. Not that they had re- rain leading in, but look, the track presented well, it played well, Legato was outstanding, Louis. Uh, look, there was a 
Uh, maybe a little bit of a concern that we hadn't seen her for a while in terms of race day, uh, where she disappointed in Sydney. Yeah, um, I didn't, well, I didn't, a lot I of people did. A dollar eighty-five into a dollar sixty from memory. Maybe might have even gone a little bit shorter uh, on the back of a mm. couple of weeks of and gallops and trials, etc. But look, she got the job done, and I thought leading into that race. With the weights of the conditions, so she was carrying three or four kilograms yep. more than her key rivals in Wild Night and Sacred Satono. If she was yep. able to do the job on Sunday, which she did, it's hard to make a case for those horses she bet on the weekend turning the table in two weeks' time. And look, Sacred Satono was good. And we spoke about him a few weeks ago on New Year's Day where he underperformed in terms of betting expectation. I still believe it was the track and he was able to get back on a better surface and perform to the sacred Satono we know. Uh, 1,600, I've still got a big query on that horse, but he can still run in the top six like he did 12 months ago against the three-year-olds, albeit this is four-year-olds and we're seeing a few new entries to 12 months ago. Um, and sharp and smart, well, I wouldn't be getting carried away at all with his run. Yes, he finished third, but you look at the horses he bet and the calibres of Amazois, uh Packing Rockstar, Tavir. <laughs> look, it was a better run considering you're weighing it up against the trial that he performed two weeks ago but he's still not the sharp and smart he was 12 months ago. So I've still got a bit of a query where he sits in that market. He's around about a $10 price. I think he probably deserves to be mid to high teens. Um, but look, we'll assess him again at 1600 and we know he probably doesn't peak to a mile and a quarter. Yeah, dollar sixty. now you've got uh, Legato in that Caracamillions Millions market. We were talking about it. Well, we've been talking about it here on, on SCNZ when she was kind of closer to $4, $3. We've been following that close in, but... Look, the reason I didn't back her is because, I, and it was no knock on the horse. I just, if she was ever going to be vulnerable, it was then. Yeah, she had that weight disparity. She was coming back. They've got five runs, I think, planned for her this preparation. There's no plausible reason for her to be anywhere near near a hundred percent. But she's just such a big, strong horse with a turn of foot, and big, strong horses with a turn of foot get better the further they go into that middle distance range. I can't see her being beat at Ellerslie. I mean, it would be a horror draw and a bad ride and be unlucky. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we saw a little bit of that 12 months ago in the three-odd race. Um, That's right. She got a sticky gauge and a sticky ride, and it was all unfortunate. And there's a couple of classy horses, the likes of Pro-S, who just had the, the margin on her coming around the turn. Um, look, she was very unlucky. Question whether she would have won remains to be seen, but we go 12 months on, and a dollar sixty is currently the futures market, Louis. I don't think she starts any higher than that, regardless of where she draws, if it's barrier one or barrier 14. Uh, but, look, she's clearly the best horse in the country that's based here in New Zealand. Obviously, there's Imperatrice, who's based out in Cranbourne in Australia, but in terms of domestic horses that are based here, she's the number one seed currently. Mm, okay. Let's go back a, a day to Telegraph Day. Um, I was on a stag do, and so I had a couple of beers in me, but I was pretty, and I had to go back and watch the race because I couldn't, couldn't quite believe what I was seeing. There was some going on on the back straight when John Riddell's come off. Um, Seamus has been smacked about. Bonnie Lass, poor Bonnie Lass, who just, and we talked about this with Graham Richardson last week, just cannot, cannot avoid the drama what a messy group one and i can only assume without having looked at, at this and you're going to tell me i can only assume all that carnage coming uh, well i guess i was over the first two and a half furlongs i think was because 
the anchor just got applied in like a, a staggering way and they just took all pace out of it, which is just not what you want in a group one. What what is the first half of the race rate like to usual company, Hunty? Well, trust the eye, Lou, because the clock backs up to what you're thinking or what you're suggesting and uh, what unfolded on Saturday in our Group 1 feature. To the 600, they've run 36.06, which in terms of open class is 10.2 lengths below. In the last 600, they've dashed home in 32.45, which is eight lengths, first, uh, eight lengths above open class. So you break the race down in two. The first 600 have almost run four seconds slower than the last 600. Um, so you're breaking it down. You're looking at previous Telegraph races. You go back to the last two editions. The first 600, 36.06, was roughly five to 18 lengths slower than the two previous editions. So, look, they've gone out very, very slow. Um, let's let's say what it was. Um, it was glorified crawl and sprint home. You could say a trial, jump out, etc. A lot of those back markers, little to no chance, the likes of Dragon Leap, Maria Farina, Seamus, uh, who was drawn barrier one, which was always going to be problematic in my eye, but obviously dented his chances by the race tempo and the lack of tempo to the 600. So that was very problematic for Ryan Elliott, who was aboard the Alan Sharrock runner, who was well played. Ryan Hurdle, well, he got charged and found guilty out of the race for Keyless Ryan yeah. aboard Express Yourself. Um, so he should have. Yeah, I'm just reading that now. Um, yeah, you're right. Keyless riding 700 metres. And and uh, what do you? I mean, what do you say? Like, is it good riding? Because Express Yourself then dashed home and had every possible. Is it good riding from himself and, and Sam Spratt to be able to put the anchor on, or is it just is it not what you want in a Group One race? It's obviously not what you want uh, because it breaks oh, I don't it down. Think so. 90% of the horses having zilch chance. Um, and that's not what you want to see. You want to see the best horses win our elite races. Not the same mercurial and express yourself. Wouldn't have been in the top two or three if it was run at an even tempo. I don't want to dismiss them totally, but it definitely fell into their hands in terms of their winning probability the first half of the race and how it unfolded slash run. But, look, I don't want to put all the fault on Ryan Hurdle. Let's, let's be fair. The charge he was found, or he was, uh, he was found for to be guilty wasn't the lack of tempo that was set up in the race. It was interference uh, just coming across the dog leg, so, uh, which he interfered with Craig Grills, which was a domino effect, and we saw Jonathan Riddell falling off his runner. So, look, I think there was three or four jockeys at least that contributed to the slow tempo. Quite often you say the horse or the jock that was second outer in a race controls that tempo. It happened to be Sam Spratt aboard Mercurial. So, look, I don't want to put the total blame on Ryan Hurdle here. I think, as I say, there were three or four jockeys uh, that contributed to the slow tempo and what unfolded. Well, I'm just hoping, Louis, you backed up better than some of those horses come after the weekend. Well, yeah, to be fair, I was pretty... uh <laughs> ran into Craig, Craig Baker in the birdcage at, uh, at, at, during the um, bent down on one knee's knee Ben Masters 1500 <laughs> and, and Craig looked at me and I looked at Craig and I said don't ask just don't ask let's just um, let's just move on with our lives <laughs> shall we Craig um, it is interesting reading here the um, the stewards report for the the Telegraph really really interesting um yeah, a lot of horses over raced, and but it's a basic yeah. novel. It is There's so much. It's fa- <laughs> there is. It's fascinating. Lots of excuses, and yeah. Well, but look, 
good on Marsh. He's he's got a Group One, and good on Sam Spratt. She's, you know, it was. I thought that was a really neat story after all those years gone and the Mufasa, but then the the bad fall. And she's just such a wonderful person. You know, she's a great character. So I thought that was a a neat storyline. Um, otherwise, on the card, we see we saw a pretty good filly, didn't we? The two year old Tony Pike's got one here. Yeah, KX Mile. She's a ripper. Oh, I love this filly. Uh, look, she ran an OK number on debut. The form had stacked up uh, through a, horse, a few horses that finished in behind her. Uh, I love her pedigree. It's one of my favourite families in the stud book. You go back to Swords Drawn, Vigor Winner, Illumination, who uh, wow. Stephen Marsh used to train. And you go back to the third, the Impalia by last tycoon. She was a gun me and she left the horses like Dr. Green, uh, etc. So uh, look, it was a fairly cheap buy. I think roughly around fifty odd k a couple of seasons, or like this time last year when it threw, went through the sales. I think the unfortunate thing, Louis, is this: this horse is not eligible for the Karaka Million purely yeah. because the original owner was hoping this horse would race in Singapore. And we know what's unfolded over in Singapore in the last twelve months in terms of racing, finishing up basically. So negative for that particular owner. But obviously it has to be a positive for Tony Bike because I think whatever this horse does as a juvenile, you go on pedigree, being by Saxon Warrior, who's the son of Deep Impact, uh, this horse is going to make a, a ripping three-year-old. So I just feel whatever it does in the next two to three months is a pure bonus. I'll probably go, go through the lines of freshening this horse up now, Louie, now that it's not eligible for Allersley at the back end of the month. Set it for Mudder Mudder, for the Mudder Mudder Breeders, and then look for the Group 1 at Allersley over there, Auckland Cup Carnival slash Derby Carnival. So, uh, yeah, she's a ripper. She re- oh, look, the numbers were solid. Uh, if she was in a Karaka million, she'd be definitely in the top three or four in the market. Probably a couple of lengths off the eclipse, what we saw on New Year's Day at Pukekohe. But, yeah, I just feel she's got a lot of progressive nature about her, in particular when we see her as a three-year-old. Okay, it was a good weekend for Tony Pike, actually, because Impendabelle ran, ran a belter, and I said the market really liked Impendabelle as well um and then he obviously had a, a couple of winners i think he did anyway uh, at Ellerslie. i know he won the last with rudyard so um the the levin classic actually turned out to be a really good race um you had horses like certainly flashing out wide and sure enough opie got contessa into the perfect place um he actually rode her nearly a kg over so credit to that filly and she's always looked like a group one in the wait, waiting to me and then Zab Manzor he drifted off the map he started at 12 bucks and he's nearly got the job done Mary Shan had her chance she got some black type there as well a uh, really nice race I thought yeah I think overall it's a I think it shows the depth of our three-year-olds especially when you've you're crossing over a few of the fillies with the boys which we get in the Levin Classic a lot of those fillies chasing group one honours look Quintess as you mentioned 10 out of 10 from OP, uh, OP Boss and just sat in that neutral position which I think was a sweet spot if you look at the race tempo they've gone yeah. out 5.6 lamps above open class to the 600 so they've gone along over the 1600 metres at Trentham and they've run home 35 and change almost identical race shape to the anniversary which was the previous race look no real knock on the overall speed rating, Louis, half length below open or below the class, uh, group one level for the three-year-olds. I suppose the only concern, and I, I might have to go back to what I originally said here about the overall depth might be pretty good for the three-year-olds, that there was only one and a half length separating the top eight horses. Normally, you'd associate that with being a lack of 
uh, depth in that particular race um, because you, it, it's hard to find eight horses that are all going to rate extremely high in a race. So when you get a bunch finished like that, you've probably got to con- be a little bit concerned around the overall form. But like I say, that just might be a reflection on the overall depth with our three-year-olds this, uh, this time in. Obviously, we didn't have the, the Molly Blooms um, and a couple of other tidy fillies as well in that race and, and three-year-olds like Crescetti. But... Uh, a lot of these horses are knocking on the door, and if some of those elite three-year-olds, the likes of Molly Blooms, are off their day, off their day, then these uh, this next crop, like the likes of Quintessa, Zabmanzor, they're going to pounce. So, look in terms of the Beaton Brigade, uh, you're right. Zabmanzor was very good considering the betting drift had to defy that. It's a similar betting drift to what we saw Zabmanzor Pukakoe open roughly around that five six dollar quote and doubled in price. So it'll be interesting to see the betting flux where that horse heads next. But working back from the Derby, massive tick. Penderbell, just as honest as the day is long, just keeps finding one or two better. I thought one of the runs of the race, considering the race shape and they've got along, was Mary Shan, who sat I, out I second. It. Yeah, I backed it. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hard luck story. Classic. Yeah, just the story Look, of my summer. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> she'll, look, she'll keep. Uh, I, I guess when she lines up against Molly Bloom, if they decide to back her up in, uh, in a couple of weeks at Ellerslie, You'll be able to get mid-teens around Mary Shan where you look at Molly Bloom at a $3 price and the disparity just might not sit well for a lot of people considering there was only a pimple separating them over Christmas and New Year and the eight carats. So, uh, look, she's a horse that I, I kind of feel next time they go to the races will look to get a little bit of cover. I'm not saying they'll write, they'll write a negative in that neutral position, but maybe in the first half dozen rather than sitting second outer. And the run of the race happens to be certainly. Look, I... I I hyped this horse up on the leg up on Friday. I think she's a Group 1 filly in the making. Just not sure what distance. I thought originally she might progress towards 2,000 and beyond, but I believe out of the camp they might freshen her up towards a more of a sprinting trip, 1,400 going forward, certainly. But she looks she covered the most ground in the race, and she still had the audacity to record the best last 8, 6, 4, 200-metre split. So, yeah, she, she's probably one out of the box from the whole weekend. I'd be looking to progress forward in terms of a betting prospect. Yeah, there's some there's some really look of all the futures markets and that you have got available at the moment. One of the most interesting is the Oaks, I think, um, and it's probably a, a job for someone like myself to get on the phones and and just work out exactly where some of these fillies are at. You know, like where are we at with a Tulsi, for example, a Mary Shan? Do they be are they fresh in now and just slightly and come back with fresher legs or do they push on and, and go through the distances? Because um, Tulsi I thought was another blinding run and she's another really honest filly. Um, and then you've got the the likes of the Molly Blooms and orchestrals. I just I wouldn't probably expect them to turn up there. So um, it's quite interesting that Phillies market and we've got the Derby well, market there as well. You touch on that Oaks market and, and you're right, Molly Bloom. Well all indications that she's going to be over in Australia sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. Orchestral, I wouldn't be shocked if we see Orchestral in a derby. If she continues to measure up to the boys in lead-up races, we know that stable. Don't mind yes. chucking a filly against the boys in the derby. Uh, look, certainly probably a false $7 price, knowing what yes. she's heading towards now post the race. Quintessa, now you talk about Quintessa. Bouncing out of that 1,600-metre race on the weekend, beating her own age group, is heading towards the BCD sprint. That's the word out of the Tiakau team. So you add her to the likes of Chris Shetty and Whitek, Babylon Berlin, if they decide to go there, Dragon Leap, 
Secret Sotano. That could be the race of the summer. So you had a couple of three-year-olds, the likes of Quintessa and Crescetti, who, who heads the market uh, roughly, I think, around a $3 price. And then Whitehack, who was just superb in winning the railway. That's mouth-watering for Butch Glass Castles and the team at Tadapa. Well, considering the Herbie Dyke Stakes is going to have Campionessa versus Legato, probably versus Sharp and Smart and maybe Aquacade, absolutely. It's Legends, Legends Day for a reason, isn't it? So um, it's just all kind of coming together, Hunty. We could talk all day, but we won't. We'll let you crack on. Um, T. Lee's last day this week, but emotional, isn't it? Yeah, it is, because... Uh Look, I've been brought up with T. Lee. He's, he's a good family friend. I've known T. Lee since I was a uh, a little one following the races and whatnot. And, uh, yeah, look, there's no doubt he's been uh, the number one C commentator uh, around the CD, if not the country, in the last, what, 30-odd years. He was commentating in the early 80s. So, yeah, look, it's uh, it's going to be emotional for, obviously, T. Lee and his close friends and family uh, on Saturday at Trentham. Um yeah, it's, it's uh, what you'd say is happy hunting ground, isn't it, Trentham? It's where he's had some of his best calls, uh, obviously Castletown in the early 90s and whatnot, but uh, an excellent at Hawke Bay standout in terms of my memory. But, um, yeah, I, I think what we need to do is just glow on the what he's done for racing as a whole um, and, and celebrate that going forward. But, yeah, I'll be dialled in on Saturday. It's a big day, Louis. You've got the Thornton Mile, which is uh, shaping up to be a ripping race because there's a few horses dropping back from 2016 to be eligible for that bonus, that five 600K bonus uh, from memory. So uh, it's really stacked up the Thornton Mile. The Wellington Cup, well, Alan Sherrick's got another horse there in contention, which the punters have been diving into post-Saturday. So, uh, yeah, and the undercard looks super as well. So nominations, I think, will be out fairly soon, if not now. Yeah, that's right. I asked I asked Al uh, a week ago, I said, what would it mean to you to w- win the Wellington Cup? He said it would mean a, a hell of a lot for me and probably Tony as well, um, being good friends. And, and Waisaki, the way he savaged the line, God, he's older than you and he's still going hard. He's um, a <laughs> fantastic horse, isn't he? All right, Auntie, we'll let you crack on, mate. Okay, we'll chat next week.